Ivan play my game I've never been fond of single people exchange Double on saunches and they hope to get laid With overrun launches But this is right in tonight Welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all continuing to stay safe and healthy. It's been another busy week, and with that, another list of awesome friends who are working on things in the music community. First up, we have a brand new album from alum and friend of the pod, Guitar Gabby. 
you might recognize Gabby from the band The Tulips, who bring such incredible shredding as a collective based out of Atlanta. Gabby has released her album Musicology under the name Guitar Gabby, and it's literally a perfect record. Highly recommend digging into the track The Deadpool along with a bunch of other incredible instrumental tracks that are just tucked within this record. Be sure to grab it in all streaming apps now. Also newly released is a new EP by Gainesville's own Gutlist, another brilliant alum and bunch of friends of the pod. The release titled The Flame and the Homeland Insecurity is a collection Gutless has put out to fundraise for Dream Defenders and the Black Trans Travel Fund. The two tracks on this release give a beautiful tease to an upcoming full-length LP by the band. I knew I was hooked from the keys opening on The Flame, and I know you will be too. Be sure to support this incredible band and the orgs they're fundraising for. It's so awesome. And our last bulletin item comes to us from across the pond. Special Subject Records has launched their podcast, Flick Through. Erica Fries and Kay Stanley talk about different records the label slash shop finds. I'm always thrilled to hear from people who are this passionate about music, and I couldn't be more excited to see where this pod goes. The first episode talks about Beach Bunny and Sacred Paws, and I know you'll love it as much as I do. Be sure to stream on all of your favorite podcast apps ASAP and subscribe. Okay, on to this week's guest. Yes, we've got one of my favorite alums back. It's Baby Got Back Talk. The New York-based band draws from so many varieties of music that their genre is impossible to pin, and their debut LP, Genre Reveal Party, just emphasizes that. Um, Jira, Rihanna, and Jake have worked really hard to define what they want to create and how they want to say it, and Genre Reveal Party is the perfect capsule of activism, energy, and a gorgeous push to reclaim pop punk. They joined this week to share the meaning behind some of their most powerful tracks, their views on pop punk, their goals as a band, and so much more. So with that, let's hear some more fresh music by Baby Got Back Talk and then get into the interview. In my parents' basement Before the time came Cause my old girlfriend found a new replacement She's been seen And I'm not sure if I still want her It just depends Some nights I think I might confront her And tell all my friends If we had plans tonight Then count me out I'm leaving to chance of my whereabouts And I say Say, yeah, baby, 
Back talk to Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How's everyone feeling? Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. good. Happy to be here. Thanks again for having us. Of course. Y'all are seriously like one of my favorite people to talk to when it comes to music in general. I love how much opportunity we've had to do that lately between uh, being able to boost back to before on the alternative to our our previous recording, which was like, I think almost two years ago, which is mind boggling. Yeah. I live somewhere different the last time we talked. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And like, it's so crazy. And I think what's nice is, is like, we've kind of kept in touch a little bit over the last couple of years and stuff, which is really awesome. So I'm so happy to just keep connecting with y'all. We're happy to be in the family for sure. Aww, I love it. <laughs> Well, like last time we recorded, we talked a lot about, I think at the time your release was take this the wrong way and stuff. So to like kind of kick things off, how do you feel like each of you have maybe grown as musicians in that time? (laughs) (laughs) I can't see everyone, so I always wait. Um, Who would like to go first? Well, maybe I can speak a little bit to how I feel like we've grown collectively and then we can kind of individualize it a bit. I mean, I think one thing that's interesting about Take This the Wrong Way is as much as it is now like a foundation that we've built on and kind of like the blueprint for the sound and identity we wanted to build with the band, it very much felt um, diagnostic at the time, like experimental at the time. We... You know, um, I had been doing like a, a version of the band in Boston with some different different players um, in very different circumstances. And I knew I kind of wanted to level up. When I met Rihanna and Jake, I thought there was a real opportunity to, um, you know, have some continuity with the project I was doing in Boston. But, but truth be told, um, really breathe life into it that would almost make it a, a new thing entirely. Um, and I think would take this the wrong way. We were in the studio trying out a lot of different things, trying to figure out how many guitars, when do we want to have backing vocals and where, are Jake and I going to trade off singing? Um, And I think all that stuff was uh, 
you know, we thought about it very carefully, but I think the positive reaction that we got to the EP sort of validated some of those um, impulses and decisions that were made kind of on the fly and, and felt haphazard in some ways. So um, I think what's happened in the meantime, in terms of following that EP up with Up and Open Arms, and now preparing to release our first full-length genre reveal party, uh, we've gotten even more deliberate. Well, we know um, that, th that these kinds of songs have been fun to play live. We know we're the kind of band that can do something that's kind of uh, really in the pocket in terms of what contemporary pop punk is like. And then on the same record, throw in a song that seems um, a bit more discontinuous with what people think of as contemporary pop punk. We know our fan base will react positively to a song like Fever or a song like Hearing the Music. And so I think having that experience um, and having an engagement with people on the internet, people who come to shows, sort of gave us uh, a more concrete sense of what we were trying to achieve musically. And we went into genre reveal party uh, with a lot more of a sense of what uh, stylistic range the band could cover, what thematic range was likely to resonate with the people who listened to us. And um, maybe most importantly, we had a sense of what was gratifying for us to put out into the world and perform. And hopefully all that is, is audible when uh, people check it out. Yeah, I definitely think we've grown like a lot more intentional in what we've been like putting together since then. Uh, I mean, it's like at that point, I think we were like, like Jira said, we were kind of still just like figuring out the dynamics of the band or like what our kind of like roles would be, what we, I guess, felt like most uh like we, like we what we could best bring forward um and yeah since then it's i guess we kind of grown into kind of like in either well both intentionally like fulfilling genre tropes in some cases and then also kind of throwing a curveball in a lot of others yeah um i definitely echo a lot of what my two comrades have shared, but I also think like personally we've grown a lot. Um, I can obviously speak only on myself, but I think it just, I know that working musically with this particular team, <laughs> I want to say I've become less childish, both in my decisions and obviously my attitude. <laughs> do I still start, do I still have- I with you there, Rihanna. <laughs> I was, and it's funny. I will let me finish. Let me definitely finish. Um, I think that I'll have my moments where I still act a little, you know, but I definitely think maybe even myself and just like having two people to keep myself and even just each other in check, um, both professionally and just like within the relationships we formed. It's, so, it's been so strong. And I'm really grateful that we've had that chance to grow as well. Um, and I think it's good because it's you, you, you learn a lot about a lot of people, you know, about each other when you're in a group this tight. And I think that having the chance to grow in that way has been really good too. So I was just gonna say, this, this record, I feel like there, 
growth and like also the fact that <clears throat> it feels like this entire record is very satisfying for all of you to create. Like you could feel how much you appreciate each other's growth, but like also you were able to, I think, express so much within this record. And it feels like as satisfying to me as a listener as it is for you probably as creators to get this out there too. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's, I guess, been almost two years that we've been working on it. So, uh, yeah, I think there's, there was a lot of stuff that writing it felt really, like, good and urgent. And it definitely is nice to, or fulfilling to have it, like, almost out there for the world. I love that. Um you know, I know that you mentioned that you've been like putting this together over about two years, but were there any artists or creators that like inspired or influenced you as you were putting together Genre Reveal Party? Oh man, where to start? <laughs> I think, I mean, basically anytime we're like working on a song, I think there, there's always like, we always like come up with, I guess like points of reference to even just like to anchor like how we're how we feel about a part or like how I think about a part or Jira like to kind of like anchor it to the rest of the band and like a certain feel or something we'll always kind of bring up uh I guess like other artists as touchstones so you know we'll refer to a lot of things as like the American football part or uh you know the braid part uh there's like yeah Valencia part. Okay, maybe less so in this album. There's always a Valencia part. That's <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting because I do actually associate a lot of the phrases used, like the American football part, <laughs> actual, actual musical vernacular. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that part, okay. <laughs> I like that, though, because you do have those kind of breakdowns at the record. Actually, I was going to call out... Um, the one part within call the whole thing on with um rihanna's like strings part mixed in with like this beautiful kind of like twinkly vibe is the best way i'm gonna describe it that just was like my favorite sound of 2020 <laughs> thank <laughs> Seriously, you i was just that like a lot. thank you oh, oh i literally <laughs> heard that i'm like can i get that just like tattooed on my brain or something because this is like <laughs> straight up gorgeous <laughs> you did a really great job i feel like just shaping these really like impactful sonic pieces throughout the entire record but that was one where i'm just like we're gonna have to just call that one right out <laughs> <laughs> thank you um wow i think i might need a second that meant a lot <laughs> i think all of that really neatly um Attention to detail really comes from Jake and Jira on that one. I think you yeah. guys should expand that. You, they're a lot of that. I have to account because they sometimes the because I I always say I'm like I think they're able to hear just from because they have a deeper like they're able to call things the American football um, <laughs> part and whatnot. I definitely think that you, you guys talk about that definitely like expand. <laughs> There's like um, it's like a story. I think Mark Hoppus produced uh, Motion City Soundtrack's 2005 album, Commit This to Memory. And there's like an interview I read with him where he was talking about one of the th main, like a producer's job can be a lot of different things, but he thought his the primary thing he offered them that seemed like they obviously needed 
is he would say, okay, you guys have like 10 different cool melodies in this song, but maybe like, you know, the bass and the keyboard should take the first verse. And then like maybe the two lead guitars can take the second verse. And then in the chorus, maybe just have one part going on. And his, so his primary focus was kind of like uh, the distribution of activity. I'm like trying to take a, uh, an objective lens um, on all the different parts. So it's not just like, well, I'm the synth player and I love synth. So let's have synth throughout the whole song. Um, something about reading that interview a long time ago really stuck with me. And I think it's really instructive to how we uh, approach arranging songs in the band. Um, not just because, you know, a couple of us like Motion to the Soundtrack and obviously respect Mark Hoppus a whole lot but because we're the sort of band that can kind of like, has the potential to easily get caught up in having like 30 different cool parts at once. And I think one clear um, uh, hallmark of our evolution since our earlier stuff is we've like really tried to be much more streamlined and much more intentional about like, you're gonna shine right there. You might not shine as much uh, in the bridge or in the chorus, but like your moment is gonna come in the second verse. And then maybe in the next song, you'll carry the whole song. Um, and kind of like uh, being judicious in that way, I think has started to, to be gratifying in a way that like we can sort of trust each other's impulses to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that's definitely, mm-hmm. we probably all would agree that like our biggest songwriting yeah. challenge is like coming up with like a bunch of, well, coming up with a bunch of cool parts is like comes fairly naturally. And then just like paring that down so it's not just like a bunch of really cool things that you can't focus on because they're all just competing for attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think if you listen back to like take this the wrong way or uh, and then to genre reveal party like that, there's like a stark difference in like how much is competing for your attention versus how much kind of like foregrounds itself. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love how like... Um it does feel like at times you kind of take turns pointing the spotlight at each other as well as like your different parts that you're playing because I think that's where I always find that like really tight hook or that one thing that locks me in because I can say for sure with every single song on this record there was at least one part where I was like oh oh that's it that's that's what I'm hooked on for this song and I don't find that very often in records where it's like you can point to at least one part in every song where it's like this is this is this is a hit this is a bop you know and I thought that's something that's really special about this whole record is that every song kind of has that moment at least within if not the entire track honestly That's the goal man <laughs> You did it <laughs> It's not easy getting there but thank you <laughs> Of course, if anything, it's like when I was trying to pare down, like, what songs do I want to talk about specifically? I'm like, shit, I could talk about this whole record. <laughs> but that would be like a four-hour-long podcast, and I don't know if we could do that. <laughs> we could try, but... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it's, it's so cool, and I'm so impressed with this entire record. Tell me about kind of how it came together and shaped over the last two years. I think well, one big thing, I'll go for it, Jake. Yeah, no, right. it's you. One thing that um, I feel like as a band, we end up extolling the virtues of being a punk rock band in New York City a lot. And there are many exciting components to it and unique amenities to 
being in this subculture in this city. But there's also, of course, um, you know, some slings and arrows as well. And I think one thing that I actually hear in the record that has affected the, um, the gestation process is like, this is such a difficult, competitive place to live. And this is a punk band consisting exclusively of adults. And so while we're making tunes, we're also trying to make ends meet and survive, not just in terms of like paying our rent as individuals, but like paying for the practice space, paying for um, production with one, you know, record engineer and then mixing and mastering with another one and trying to facilitate all the logistics of that uh, while also trying to be creative is a taxing process, uh, you know, to be frank. And I think there's like a sort of hunger, a, a sort of desperation that comes from um, the rat race that New York City necessitates, but that then fuels the art and actually kind of gives the music um, a certain kind of, what I hope is like a, a glamorous desperation. Um, and so when I say desperation, I don't mean to say like every track sounds like uh, like it thrums with like the anxiety of trying to make ends meet. Uh, it might not manifest as anxiety. It might manifest as just urgency. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like we've, we really benefited over these two years from the, the logistical and economic challenges uh, that we were faced with in making the record because it sort of made every second count more. And I hope that's, that's kind of something um, that heightens the impact of what we're doing rather than sort of, uh, I guess, shortchanging or diminishing it in some way. I don't know, what do you guys think? I have to agree that, um... I thought you could say something. I want to cut them off. Um, I definitely agree that the outside aspects of life have affected, like echo exactly what Julia says. And you know what? I don't have anything additional to add. You said it so well. <laughs> Gonna hold back. <laughs> I think part of I'm like making this. Uh, was also I guess figuring out what like the template for being like an unsigned band looks like in the you know the like streaming age which is definitely something that's been covered a lot before uh and people have different like takes on it here and there um but then you know during like the final the final like months of finishing this project we have this whole like coronavirus epidemic so that was definitely you know something thrown at us where uh so we were like we're not even entirely sure that this was the like the strategy was necessarily to like release like a full thing and we kind of took a step back and yeah, i guess like figured out tried to figure out whether or not this was like the right strategy to take I guess we, you know, we came to the conclusion that like staying the course was, was the right move. But, you know, we definitely did not anticipate that like a year ago when we were in the studio. For sure. But I think y'all have actually pivoted and like 
navigated this better than a lot of sign bands have for sure because the timing has been brilliant you know the way that you've gone about releasing and communicating and boosting and everything it's like I feel like it's been approached in a way that are a lot more meaningful than a lot of signed acts have been able to accomplish in this time and like um it's interesting to me because there's a lot more impact and I feel like also um the way the excitement has been building around your band as well as this release has been definitely more interesting than what I've seen others who kind of have, you know, teams or resources or whatever have, you know, because uh, I'll put it this way. Like I've been seeing your music and your name circulating a ton versus a lot of these established artists out there right now are kind of like, I feel like they're trying to kind of play the wait and see game because they have, the stakes of stakeholders that they have to go please or whatever from like a label backing and y'all are just like, no, we're going for it. And I think that's one of the things that your band does so well is you don't hold back. You just fucking go for it. And that's, what's working for you right now. At least just my perspective that I'm seeing, you know? Um, it's really funny. Um, you mentioned that because I had a similar conversation, um, with in another interview and, I also mentioned like, yeah, it's really interesting that I haven't really seen a lot of big names really mention anything. Hey, Lady Gaga did something, right? Mm-hmm. I don't keep up on her, unfortunately, but um, maybe that is the benefit of being the kind of uns- uns- unsigned group. And also with the new switch, I think it's really kind of coronavirus specific this new flip to we need to get all of our shit together and get it online as quickly as possible because we have to do it right now mm-hmm. I think the speed at which that happened and the speed we went from going to okay I'm on Instagram for like a little bit and then I have to go out to like a bar it's like no I am home all the time and I have nothing to do and I have to like I can focus now and I think that was if that sounds terrible I think that was almost like a good thing for us in terms of marketing because we know that everyone's home and they want something to look at and then additionally considering the content that we make and what we're you know the I wasn't going to say the image but the message we're all trying to scream as loudly as possible to as many people as possible um is one that we want to also make sure gets to as many ears and eyes as we can so that helps in a weird way, not great way. I don't want to say, oh my gosh, yay, Corona, wonderful. We were able to become big because of that. Like, no, like, absolutely not. It's just an interesting thing, like shift. I just kind of, that we've all been witness to and it kind of worked. And we all now had the ability to promote in a way that was like thoughtful about it as well. Society. Yeah. I mean, you're a band that I feel like has always embraced meaningful moments in general. And you've made meaning out of a moment that I feel like a lot of people are looking for meaning or looking for opportunity and they can't find it. But that's a gift your band has is that you can find that meaning in a moment and turn it into something that can either be consumed as art or share a message that is super impactful in that moment to where it's like, this is a time where I think a lot of people are trying to figure out who they are and what they're doing in this space whenever there isn't anything to do, at least in their minds. And I love that your band has always kind of just been like, no, this is what you can do right now. This is what you can say. This is how you can say it. And 
this is this is this is what you can create and this is what you can promote in this time you know yeah yeah well we always kind of call ourselves a diy because we got a punk band <laughs> you know been on uh i think it's actually jim carrey p-a-r-t-y because we got i think it's from like ace ventura but uh, <laughs> the we gotta is not like just like a glib statement it's something we really take seriously like the impulse to make art that reflects a particular reality or even critiques a particular reality and and share it and produce it and promote it and stand behind it is something that we take really seriously even though um, doing it is mostly not serious it's mostly fun mm -hmm. so i think you know having diy because we gotta as a principle uh kind of gave us uh, a grounding and an ethos that that put us in a position to adapt to the to the moment and hopefully continue to chart a course um, that is in many ways increasingly uncertain yeah i i think though like i mean even like because we got a part of that like for me at least like making art is like one way that i like deal with these kind of like huge topics and issues that like it's you know very tough to process and like fit it all in my brain like it's not even entirely like just like a, a strategy for like the band uh as much as it is this kind of like intrinsic need to to you know deal or to do this thing like to make art in order to kind of like process these things for myself i don't know if you all feel the same way yeah absolutely i mean i i think it's i mean and that's the beautiful symmetry between your relationship to the art and the listener's relationship right i mean you and i the three of us have all discussed how different records different books have helped us to contextualize our own experiences so if we know that's the relationship we have to art then we can kind of anticipate that what we're making is going to become equipment for living for our listeners and so yeah it's a coping mechanism for us or a processing mechanism for us but we're also um then turning it loose so that other people can hopefully find comfort or distraction in the same thing the same way i love that you refer to it as equipment because that's definitely what it's become for me a lot of your music is, is it's like it's a way for me to process a lot of my feelings that i have toward the shit show that we live in and uh you know the ways that either i can process it or the ways that i can cope with it or better yet take action with it and that's what's the coolest part of Phil's is like it becomes like a tool it becomes a uh not just an art to consume but a, a tool that you can use to get through experiences or grow from them you know so sure. cool <laughs> um so i'm really excited because this is like i believe and correct me if i'm wrong this is your first like full-length record what is it like for you to be able to like start to share this with everybody it's very exciting i'm like counting down the days till release day <laughs> <laughs> i love that um so I, you know, you, you named your record Genre Reveal Party, but what genre or mood do you feel like you've revealed with this record? 
Go ahead, Rihanna. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, and I think it just speaks to what I really, it's like what I really like about this band is because, well, we all know, obviously know what gender reveal is, but like with genre reveal in particular, and I think in relation to us as a group, I mean, we take so much inspiration from other punk groups that we've been obviously influenced as we've grown up and kind of grown in our own careers. And then on top of that, we're like, um, oh man, what was, did you use a good phrase? Uh, I'm dead darlings. I'm dead darlings. You, yeah. So because you know, there's always that phrase, like punk is always, punk is dead and it's <laughs> not like an in genre anymore. And we hear that all the time. And I'm like, but there are still punk bands. Like punk was dead when I was in middle school and high school and now, but there's still punk happening somewhere in some form. So I feel like this, and it, because of that, being a punk rock band that looks like us and sounds like us and has so many influences from other groups that we've taken and shaped and formed our own, you can't, we're not really one type of punk or another type of punk. Like all of our songs are, has a, some kind of influence from some different aspect of the punk genre that this album is our gathering and amalgamation of all of that work not just obviously within ourselves but that we've kind of been influenced by from past and present and that's why genre reveal party is like what the fuck could it be it's gonna be cool it could be anything mm -hmm. and that's what we want to show we want to show this like that we're versatile as a group and that obviously punk isn't dead because we're here and we're telling it and <laughs> that a lot of what is gonna be in the album is stuff that should be hear, heard now and can at least be consumed continuously. I love that. I'm also gonna now refer to you from now on as my undead darlings. <laughs> love it. That's true, that's true, that's all him. That was a clever one. It's beautiful, I love that. And the <laughs> fact that your sound is so dynamic is just one of the things that always like just stands out to me. And um, the fact that you kind of are revealing so many different things that influence you and that shape your sound is like, I think I feel like it's a multi-genre reveal ultimately that you end up accomplishing with this record. There's so much going on and it makes me so happy as a listener. I know that's what's catching the attention of a lot of folks online for sure is that there is so much going on. There is so much influence and things that you put into it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, uh, I, think, I think it was after we demoed um, the single we just released a week or two ago, Space Jam. Um, I remember having a conversation leaving the practice space where like, uh, I mentioned like I had that moment in my teenagehood where like I interacted with a cousin who I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, I don't know, I guess he was surprised to like find that I was wearing all black or that my nails were painted or something. And so he told, another family member i don't know what happened but somewhere along the way like jiro went totally goth <laughs> i remember the, <laughs> being like goth really that's that's what you're making of all this um but, wait sorry i don't want to interrupt uh, i'll ask later i'll ask later i'll ask later Continue, but then please. i was but then we work on space jam which like um to some degree 
uh, blend, you know, it blends elements of like math rock and kind of like the goth pop punk thing that Alkaline Trio popularized or my chem popularized. Um, and then it also has like a little bit of sort of like early 2000s All-American Rejects vibe to it. Yeah. And I was like, I remember saying, oh man, in my mind, I keep calling this song goth adjacent, but like maybe it's like my cousin said, maybe it's actually just goth and denial. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and so now when I think about the phrase genre reveal party, like I, it almost makes me think about like, oh, like admitting certain influences to ourselves even. <laughs> Revealing our inner goth, our, our inner ska kid, our inner emo kid, and just like being like, all right, that's it. That's what it is. We're owning it. <laughs> so shout out to my cousin Brandon for that. <laughs> I love it so much. Wow. It's it's true though. I like I like Gotham Denial, <laughs> and I like the idea of there being such like an embracing of the different sounds and subcultures that were kind of like, yeah, I guess that is there. That is a part of me and stuff, and that's really awesome. So let's start talking a little bit about some of the songs on the record, because uh, a couple of weeks ago we were able to premiere Back to Before for the Alternative, and that was amazing. I really loved how we dug into like the themes of like broken and toxic like relationship with America and just really, I feel like after listening to that track and then being able to dig into the record as a whole, um, not too much later, it felt like that was a really awesome theme that carried throughout so much of the record. And um, there were other themes there, of course, but can you talk about what it was like for you to kind of carry this theme forward with other songs on the record and um, why you felt that was important to you to kind of keep sharing throughout this entire release? Well, I think one of our, uh, I mean, a rallying cry that kind of is associated with our band is this idea of decolonized pop punk rather than defending it, rather than sort of, um, recoiling at any critical interrogation of this subculture that we're a part of, we want to encourage it. We want people to think about, you know, what are the roots of what, what we're doing? Um, obviously within punk music, within rock music culture in general, but also I guess American culture more broadly. And I think a couple of the songs, as you alluded to sort of, um, deal with that in, in other ways, in addition to Back to Before. One example that comes to mind, obviously, uh, is when they go low, we go six feet under, which is, you know, talking about the kind of normalization of uh, racist state violence. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got Unrelatable Content, which is a song we think about as um, kind of inviting people to think critically about what what some of the conventions of emo music are and what they sort of connote about gender, about how we think about uh, how love should function, um, how we think about possessiveness uh, in terms of how people relate to one another in, in romantic relationships. And I think like sort of the idea you're picking out about Back to Before is like, a, it is a theme within the record, but I guess it's just something we're sort of preoccupied with in general, which is um, what are the elements of our socialization, of our environment that we have adopted thoughtlessly? And like, what would happen if we thought about it? 
and tried to discriminate and pick and choose. Um, the previous uh, release we did, Up in Open Arms, ended with the song Guilty of Being Tight, which, is, uh, which alludes to this idea of turning down the heirlooms we found, which is like inviting people to break the chain of inheritance, right? Like there's, there's things um, that, we, that we learn from our forebears that uh, we think are our way of life just because they've been tradition, but we can actually discriminate. We can actually develop our own criteria for deciding what heirlooms we accept, what parts of the way of life we reproduce and which ones we don't. And so then you go from guilty of being tight to back to before, which is kind of um, expanding on the same, the same theme, you know? Um, if part of punk and part of uh, each generation's countercultural movement is about uh, coming up with new standards, finding new criteria for how to talk, how to think, how to dress, how to behave, then part of our contribution um, is, is helping people think critically about that and think about which, which elements of the past we want to reproduce and which ones we don't. I love that. That's definitely one of the things that just, I think is fantastic about this record is the way that you kind of tackle that, the way that um, you really start to kind of point to the things that are kind of flawed within genres, within subcultures, and are just like, well, let's see if we can flip this over and improve upon it, or at least show that this is like, not okay, like the possessiveness you mentioned earlier and stuff like that's a very unhealthy, toxic thing that is particularly prevalent I feel like in pop punk and stuff right we fetishize the idea of like possessive relationships and like if you're not then if you're not like in this relationship or you do something that's counter to that one person's perspective of that relationship it's suddenly all about like murdering that person or like getting revenge on them and how like freaking gross and scary that is and the fact that that's white men perpetuating the idea as a whole other can of worms of nastiness but you know, it's like the whole fact that we need to kind of confront that and be like, that's not okay. <laughs> this is, yeah. and the fact that you drive the conversation toward actual issues instead of like, frankly, emotional instability is so important. I feel like, especially whenever you do kind of play within the pop punk genre from time to time, you know? Yeah, we've had, we had that exact conversation about like how, you know, a lot of the, uh, like the kind of like, like emo music, especially like third wave, but I mean, certainly not like exclusively. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it kind of has this this reputation as like sad boy music or music for sad people. And that actually is like kind of a misnomer because like you said, there's a lot of it that if you kind of, you don't even have to listen that closely. It's not like particularly coded, but it gets like very violent in like this way that I mean, I mean, maybe if you're like a 15 year old boy, it's like not the, it doesn't like call out to you or like it, when I, you know, when I was in high school, it didn't seem that urgent, but then like looking back, I'm just like, wait a minute, something like this is, something is a miss here. Right. Like this is not, not healthy. Yeah. I remember being like in this awkward space of being in middle school and high school and being like, damn, I love pop punk, but holy shit, is he going to murder that girl <laughs> at some point? And it was just a little bit terrifying in a sense. And I think that was the point where I started to kind of shift into like, okay, this feels a little scary. I don't care how pretty their voices sound or how great that riff is. It's, uh, 
it's, yeah. a, it's a weird it's a weird space to be within and stuff and i think that uh the way that your music pushes back on that from time to time is just very um crucial sorry i think i had some internet problems there for a second is it stable now hold up is am i like here you go amanda i think Oh, you're back. Okay. okay, cool. Sorry, I think that was on my end. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Anna. I feel like I've been scaring you today. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So I think we lost you around. I don't care how pretty their voices sound or how good the riff is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that music can just get scary sometimes for a particularly like marginalized folks if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think a conversation we have amongst ourselves often is like, you know, in terms of being a band that's encouraging people to to think about these things and perhaps reimagine them, we don't want to come from a rhetorical posturing of we're above any of those influences and we've never been complicit in any kind of culture that has corrosive elements. What really, what we really want to um, cultivate and encourage is is more like. Well, yeah, we like if you've been if you came up in punk and emo, then you've been subject to the brand news and the taking back Sundays and the census fails. And you've probably ingested some of those messages. Right. Mm -hmm. It's part of what's made our band who we are and, and probably a lot of our listeners. But what is what would it mean to both acknowledge that and try to work actively towards the correction of some of these things? rather than kind of trying to take this position of the problem is out there with someone else exclusively. And I can't imagine how anyone could ever fall into those traps. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I actually can completely imagine how people fall into those traps. I have fallen into them myself. But now that I'm here, like what, what kind of conversation, what kind of consciousness do we need to raise um, to, to help us correct course? Yeah. I mean, it's like, Certainly, I think like if you, you know, like the song like shows that there's like a lot of influences and like homages to like a lot of these bands or like bands in the same, you know, wheelhouse as, you know, it, like there is like a lot of Senses Fail, a lot of like Paramore, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not definitely not like a repudiation of like all those bands stand for uh, or all that scene stood for, but it does feel like almost more important to kind of like critique that part of it because it is like core to like our music and who we are, you know, like the fact, the fact that this is a, like a word, a scene, like a, a genre that like I identify with so strongly makes it almost like more important. Like, sure. There's, you know, there's plenty of, uh, misogyny and marginalization in other genres of music. It's not exclusive to emo music at all. But you know, this is the this is like our scene, so to speak. Uh, so it feels more urgent that we, you know, are proactive in kind of calling stuff out here. It's like a reclamation in that way, though. It's like it's like this is ours. This is what we actually stand for now. Kind of like how Jira was talking earlier about, you know, how each kind of generation of this if you will it's like they define like what are the attitudes what are the clothing what is what we create what does that mean and what does that look like and stuff this is kind of like 
okay, this is our turn to define. This is what we stand for. This is what we believe in. And this is the messaging that we want to actually go through rather than all that previous garbage that was established at times by others. And it's like, you know, there's beautiful things within like the pop punk scene, especially over time where it's like, obviously that music resonated with people. We all got something out of it. But like, what can we do to keep making it better and make it more powerful than what it was able to accomplish even back then, you know? Yeah. And honestly, I think even if you ask like a lot of the bands that did uh, that wrote like lyrics like that, a lot of them would like look back upon it and probably draw similar conclusions. Like I know Haley Williams has been very vocal about like not being the same person that wrote Misery Business. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about her. And that's what I love about like a lot of those bands at that time too and stuff is they kind of have matured enough. I mean, to, to be fair, a lot of them were teenagers writing those songs. And, you know, it's like they've grown up and they've definitely tried their best to kind of help mitigate that message in the way that it's perceived in 2020 versus how it was perceived in 2008, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. I, I, I like the idea of also being able to kind of like establish a new approach and stand and stuff. And um, one of my favorite tracks in the record and your record is uh, Like You Can, in a sense, because I think that a lot of that one that made it special to me is kind of like you feel at least the, the perception I got out of it, I should say, is like that whole feeling of being like caught in the middle and trying to figure out where people stand on different issues and like their beliefs and stuff. And trying to kind of just figure out like where am I what is this mean what's going on is that something you were kind of going for with that track I hadn't consciously thought of that take but I see I definitely see the elements that point you there mm-hmm. um and obviously you know I think as Rihanna alluded to with the title earlier like I do think um this stage of our of our collective songwriting is about like finding what that stand is exactly Mm -hmm. uh, locating exactly what corner of the map we want to plant a flag in so it makes sense that that would be coming through on that song too Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about the intention with that song then out of curiosity like what what were you hoping that your listeners would get out of it Um, well, so I guess there's like always, um, this is going to sound like a slight detour, but I promise it's related. I was always like into Beck, like the singer songwriter back when I was a kid. And I actually got into him via a, uh, a biography about him called on a backwards river. And I just remember him being, uh, really adamant that it would be like some kind of disservice to fans to uh, explain where he was coming from on a given song in terms of like what the lyrics mean. Mm. And his, his explanation at the time, I mean, this was probably a long time ago, maybe he's evolved, but he felt like if he said, oh, X song means this to me, then the listener is then deprived of having their own interpretation. And like, that's something we talk about amongst ourselves. But my position is always like multiple and even contradictory interpretations can exist. Mm-hmm. And that's like sort of the purpose of art. So I wouldn't explain it in any kind of like declarative way that prohibits other interpretations. Mm-hmm. That said, um, I feel like Like You Can is like, uh, is one of those will they, won't they songs romantically. 
like where you're having an interaction with somebody and you know you're sort of filtering all of it through the prism of like is this person into it or not mm. uh, and you don't there's kind of like it's it's almost like playing chicken like you don't if you come to if you're too if you're overly sincere about how you're presenting your intentions the other person might take a step back mm. but if you're uh too vague about it then the other person probably won't meet you halfway and so the song is just kind of talking about how that tension can be both yeah uh, thrilling and terrifying i love that and I, it's interesting to me because it's like i like that you added from your perspective at least like that does have kind of like that initial like romantic aspect of it in a sense of trying to figure out where somebody stands and stuff and every person's going to approach of course art differently uh for me i think that in particular in pop punk for me my gut is always first go romantic when it comes to that stuff because that's kind of just a trope of the genre and stuff so if anything i think that's why i pivoted like a different direction from it i'm like well maybe it isn't romantic let's think about it through different lenses and stuff so it was like and i like that that song has that capability of that you know where it's like you could think of it as like it is a will they won't they romance song but you can also be like you could frame it in the context of like well what about somebody's perspective or attitude and stuff you can't feel them and you're trying to figure out do they think my way do they not and it's so interesting to me that your song is that dynamic you know to where you can approach it from different angles and get that same feeling of the will they won't they kind of vibe you know i think that kind of i guess just busy thinking of the song and how you interpreted then Jira's actual explanation i feel that the versatility of it is also something that can be um i guess resonate with obviously current going on as now is a time where we're kind of not sure where people stand on various things but um it is you know i guess i just speaks to again genre feel like we do kind of want to encourage the wide variety of interpretations of or at least what that song could be for sure some of them we want some of them we have very clear motivation but that one you know we do want to allow for like a lot of different perspectives like jira said <laughs> I love that. Are you excited to hear about different folks' interpretations of the songs and kind of have those conversations with people? I mean, kind of like how we're doing right now, of course, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Jacob. I was just going to say, the fact that like people vibe with this shit at all is just like, <laughs> makes me so excited. Like, I just wake up every day and the first thing I do is like check Twitter and check Spotify and I'm just like <laughs> blown away. It's crazy. I'm so excited for this. That's so special. And like, I think one of the things that I got excited about too on this record is you tucked in some, what I would call the the old favorites, the classic hits with things like Historically White College. And then when they go low, we go six feet under. Cause I was just like, those were some of my favorites that you'd put out previously. And the fact that they're within this kind of collection of the record and stuff, the way that they sat in the record were just fantastic. The placement of it and the kind of like approach of this is the song order, if you will. And then also um, just being able to revisit these songs for me was just so exciting. What was it like for you to kind of like place these within the record? Well, Jake, I think it was your idea originally to re-record historically for this album. Do you want to like walk us through what you were thinking about? Um, that was one that, I mean, that like, yeah, you know, it was off our first, our first EP, "Take This the Wrong Way," and that 
kind of resonated with a lot of people and we just you know we'd like grown as a band we kind of wanted to explore what that would sound like with the benefit of like three years of gelling working out what our relationships are like as people as musicians uh yeah and i mean it did also kind of i mean this there you know there's a lot of like political themes on this record uh the the topic seems every bit as urgent as when we had recorded it initially um so yeah it 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 kind of felt like the right thing to do i love that and it was nice to hear like them tied so beautifully within the record too just because like I said before, they're some of my favorite songs that y'all have written and put out and stuff. And to have them within this like really energetic and meaningful record, I was just like, whew, they just, the hits, they just keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Um, so I know that Jira kind of mentioned about how, uh, you know, everybody's going to kind of have their own interpretation, of course, for like those different songs and stuff. But I'm kind of curious, what's something you really want your listeners to get out of Genre Reveal Party as a record? I know we all have various things you want to say on this, but um, hmm. I want to marinate with my response first. I'll take two seconds. <laughs> um, I guess from this particular album, obviously we want people to hear the messages we're trying to bring forward not just maybe the ones that we discussed today but like draw attention to kind of the society that we're in the environment that we're in and we want to continue just like showing that punk as a genre is still really fluid and then on top of that just highlight that like Julia had said earlier there's a lot of things that um have been drawn from previous rules and backgrounds and influences that may not have been the best we're trying to, as you said, decolonize what this genre means to us and what this genre looks like, um, especially in these ever-changing times where literally things are kind of developing second by second. So I guess what we, well, I guess how I interpret it, with this particular album, I guess we just want to show that that's something that's important, um, that we do need to kind of address like kind of back to before we need to kind of address what's happened, acknowledge that it's happened. It may have been something that we participated in regardless, but it, um, it are, these are things that we kind of want to highlight and kind of make a positive change to kind of move forward so that it's a much more representative grouping for everyone that's part of it, especially since even like how we look and those who are fans of our music may feel that, you know, they may not always have the representation that they would want. And we want to just kind of highlight that and kind of, like you always said, have the blueprint or equipment to kind of move forward with that message. Yeah, I would say that, like, to me, one of the themes is just, like, being able to 
I guess like, you know, be the person you are, like the things that you like, and like, even if they're problematic, like you can still, or there are aspects of them that are problematic. Like you can try and it's valid to like, like those things and try to improve on them. You don't have to totally like disown or distance yourself, like Mm -hmm. unrelatable content. There's like, you know, we talked, we talked about that earlier in this interview. There's a lot of like really problematic themes, but we're not abandoning this music that we love because of that. We're kind of reckoning, trying to reckon with it. Uh, you know, back to before, it's like a similar thing about America. Like, there's, you know, obviously huge flaws and huge, like, huge, like legacies that we have to reckon with. But you know, we're not like trying, we're not like moving away. We're, we're, you know, doing our best to like improve it. And yeah, uh, you know, we, things are, things are complex and it's okay to not, it's okay to like be a part of a complex and problematic thing and try and push it forward and make it better. Yeah. I think one, one sentence, it's probably a a lyrical cast off that didn't make the album that I think about a lot is like more parties, less party lines. And by that, I mean, at times I feel like people who are interested in social justice, interested in politics, interested in punk can become like obsessed with, ideological purity mm-hmm. in ways that maybe seem um, useful, but can kind of be a drag after a while. Uh, and I think one thing that our band represents and like the record particularly underscores is this idea of, you know, we can, uh, we can think critically about some of these things and make our own decisions, have energy, irreverence, imagination, and like actually have a good time with it, you know, not be um, total ideological cops all the time. And right. so I, I hope our album is like something you can put on and, and sort of um, feel renewed and not really more uh, downtrodden by listening to, even though there are some heavy ideas on it. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Honestly, I can tell you that this record is very renewing. And I also like how... Um, in many ways, I think I've always enjoyed pop punk as a genre, but like for me, I think I um, I feel a little bit renewed in my attitude toward it, and I think I've been able to let go of a lot of uh, frustrations I've had with the predecessors of the genre, if you will, in a sense, the people who've kind of made it challenging for some folks to be able to participate within that scene because of what you've accomplished with this record and what bands like you are trying to kind of do within that community. So thank you, seriously. So well, I'm sure you're doing the same thing in the in a sense of the podcast in terms, in terms of making people who would otherwise not feel included feel like they have access to the mic mm-hmm. and that once they have it, they can share it with other people who don't always have access to the mic. That's the goal. And I love it. This is why I love that your band and I are buddies. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it. that's the same shared vibe. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a real overlap for sure. I love yeah. it so much. Um, so... Uh, I know that Jira and Ryan have already answered my three bands question. So I have a new question for you this time. Um, pick a song off of your new record for your favorite fictional character from like TV, movies, fandom, whatever you're into. You can each do this. That like to recommend to them or that they would like, they would be into on their own. 
Oh, um, hmm. how about maybe one that they'd be into that just like totally suits their, their vibe? Is it really dorky of me that I like feel ready, very ready for this? No, I love it. Please. <laughs> More prepared for <laughs> my heart be still. I have never felt this right. I am also going to be really embarrassed. But I think Sailor Moon would be super into Space Jam. Yes! <laughs> Fuck you, Gina. Oh, that's so good. I wouldn't have thought Isn't of it. it? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of Like, I, I'm already seeing, like, well, now it's going to make me too. I don't know if you guys know the, the transformation, but I'm already picturing her, like, in her outfit, like, listening to Queen of the Last Frontier on the pier. And you know how their backgrounds are all the same three colors pink, blue, and yellow, and it has the little flash of lights that were in surf. I watched a lot of Sailor Moon. I love this though. Same. And like Space Jam instead as the, as the backing music for that. Hell yes. Yeah. 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 All I'm right, a you fan. Next. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I would have to go with um, Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder, which came to its thrilling conclusion two months ago. Um, I think Annalise is, I feel like she would gravitate towards the last song on her album, which is called In Wildism. Mm -hmm. uh, it sort of has like a, I mean, I guess if you're not familiar with the show, she's like a, a criminal defense lawyer and like a person who has a lot of problems in her personal life but really excels in her professional life um and the song is kind of has like a a mood where it's it's uh talking about the the difficulty of connecting with people and i know like part of the theme of the show is that annalise is like really good at her, her job but not so good with people and i feel like um in wildism kind of speaks to her sensibility and it would just be cool if annalise keating liked our band for any reason <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I'm going to say the entire uh, main, all the main characters in The Good Place uh, would be into Back to Before because that's kind <laughs> of like their whole ethos is yes. they're, they're basically just trying to improve themselves as people. They spend the whole show trying to get into The Good Place knowing that they've been condemned to suffer for all eternity and... Uh, yeah, it's. That one's I like that one too. I like all of these. <laughs> Except maybe uh, Janet, who is. I'm trying to figure out what song would appeal to not a robot, but <laughs> maybe everyone else back to before. I need Ted Danson to become a Baby Got Backtalk fan. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I want to believe that he is already, and we just don't know. We like, just got to slide into the DMs. Yeah. Hey, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. yeah, I love you in cheers. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Wow, I love all your picks so much. This is so fantastic because I feel like um I know that when I was a young geek, I used to listen to music and try to match it to different characters that I liked in different fandoms and stuff. So and most of the people who come on this podcast are at least geeks of some kind. So <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes me so happy to hear everybody's choices and these are all brilliant. <laughs>
That's a really good a great question. question. I hadn't, I mean, I, yeah, I had like thought in those lines, but never crystallized it like that. So good prompt. I love it. Thank you. Um, so I know 2020 is still a very weird year and it will stay that way at this point, but I'm kind of curious what all's coming up for Baby Got Back Talk for the rest of this year into 2021? Um, well, we are, we have, you know, genre reveal party coming out July 17th. Uh, we're gonna be doing like an album listening party on that day to you know, celebrate. Um, what else is Let's happening this year? the Zoom link on our socials, we'll We'll hip everybody, tip everybody off for when that's jumping off. Yeah. Uh, we want to, you know, keep keep uh, the engagement with the album going through other means since we can't congregate in mess halls and basements and, or excuse me, BFW halls and basements and venues for a while. Um, probably keep an eye out for some more live stream shows. Um, shout out to everybody who tuned in to uh the performance we did on punk black live a couple weeks ago um and you know we have it it's because the year is so um touch and go at the moment we haven't firmed up plans but we're like flirting with the idea of doing an acoustic ep in the near future Ooh. so that might be something to keep an eye out for as well it's exciting. I love it. Well, I have to tell you, once it's safe for live music to resume again, I want y'all to be one of my first shows when everything's back to um, safer conditions and stuff. So I will find a way to come to you because this record is so fantastic. Just so you know. Thank you. And we'll <laughs> cross that soon. Too. Please. Oh my gosh. Either I'm down for it, honestly. Y'all are so great. <laughs> In the meantime, I will be perfectly happy with the listening party and stuff. Awesome. We'll be stoked to have you. Oh, gosh. So exciting. Um, thanks so much for joining, everybody. Where can everybody keep up with Baby Got Back Talk online? Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have a website, babygotbacktalk.com. We have a bandcamp, babygotbacktalk.bandcamp.com. We're on you know most streaming services. Please follow us on Spotify. Yes. I love those stats. <laughs> stickers at babygotbacktalk.bandcamp.com definitely cop some merch Please look cool on all your instagram pics be ahead of the curve mm-hmm. if you get a Block shirt decolonize pop punk on your body <laughs> show it off on your zoom calls <laughs> get a handwritten message from rihanna <laughs> Oh, I want one of those. <laughs> Ooh, you do want one of those. Yeah. And indeed, fun fact, I am the model on the band cam. <gasps> That's why everything looks so great. That's me standing that <laughs> awkwardly against a blank background. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everybody cop some merch. Please support Baby Got Back Talk. This band is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much. You
Baby Got Back Talk. Thank you so much to Jira, Rihanna, and Jake for joining. It's so cool to see the independent music community really start to get excited and embrace Baby Got Back Talk because this band has been working so hard for so long and they're so gifted. So please make sure you grab Genre Reveal Party this Friday and share it with everyone you know. It's definitely some of the best music to arrive this summer. It'll get your mood up. It'll make you think all of the important things. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Put your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, Sam Zerowitz, and Orla Tinsey. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay angry and keep creating. Bye for now. Pretty 
more than just my seed It's a blood rush to the head If we just let history repeat Oh, 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 oh